Today's reading is from Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 16 through 21. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and the reinforcements together. They lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I form for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Good morning, church. Pastor Sharon here with you. Good to be together again in this space. You know, several years ago, my husband and I undertook a kitchen renovation. Now, the basic function of the space we had wasn't unusable. It's just that some of the drawers had broken and the cabinets looked dingy and the appliances, well, a lot of them were just limping along. And so we decided to get a contractor and do the work of renovating the space. It needed it, not just to look more up-to-date, but to make it fit better to our current needs. And so the Waldorf rooms with their 1980s style were opened up, and we were very pleased with the results. Now, I, I hasten to say that we were privileged, privileged to have the resources to actually even do a renovation, a remodel. Much of the world doesn't even have a kitchen set apart for such things with running water or anything like that. But nevertheless, we were excited to get this process going and to begin a renovation for something new and something fresh. We are beginning a series this week called Renovate, Made New Again. And in this series, we're going to be taking a look at the way God is moving us as a church into this new season. What kind of renovations are needed for for us to fit the needs of our time? You know, this pandemic has made a lot of things shift for us. Necessary shifts have been made for all of us. And it's forced us to re-examine so much of what it means even to be the church. What it means to be witnesses for Jesus Christ in this kind of environment. And I believe the Spirit has begun a renovation in our midst. So during this series, we will examine this scriptural witness and we'll discover that God is always, always about the work of making things new. Like any home renovation, time and attention is needed. But we step into this process with faith because God, he loves his church, he builds his church, and he will make it be the most fruitful place in this time. Now, today's text comes from the book of Isaiah, Um, ancient words from a prophet that will, I find, I think you'll find, speak for us today. Before I turn to that text, um, just a reminder that Isaiah 43 comes from what scholars say is second Isaiah. The first 39 chapters of the book were written by the prophet Isaiah in his time, circumstances that he was living in before Judah had been judged by God. 
But this second Isaiah was probably written by followers of Isaiah, people that aligned themselves with his prophetic voice. Because the circumstances come from the 6th century and probably um, a time when Israel, Judah, was in exile under the rule of Babylon, Babylon. During that time, the people of Israel physically, culturally, economically, even religiously were under the weight of a strange land and a strange time. And so one of the goals of this prophetic writing was to rebuild the people's understanding of who they were as God's people, to remind them, to reassure them, and give them a fresh vision that God is still capable of doing a work to save them, a work to deliver them. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them to this passage in Isaiah 43. We're just looking at verses 16 through 21. You look, Isaiah is kind of in the middle of your print Bible, in the section of the Old Testament that's devoted to the prophets. And Isaiah is one of what they call the major prophets. It comes between the wisdom writing of Ecclesiastes and then another major prophet, Jeremiah. And this portion of scripture from verses 16 to 21 that was read for us earlier, it's part of a larger oracle. An oracle means a proclamation. Uh, sharing what God is saying to people. And it really continues all the way. This oracle continues all the way through chapter 44 of Isaiah. But these divine messages from God often began and can be recognized by these words that you heard in this passage. This is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. So we're going to look at what the Lord said to a particular people in that time. But also take a look at what these words mean for us today. It's always important to start with the original context. But we know God's word is alive and active. And so it impacts us today in 2021 as well. We're going to be able to see God has something to say to us too. So just an overview of where we're heading today. We're going to first look at God's unchanging character. Then at remembering and forgetting and then finally asking the question what is springing up if you look back at verses 14 and 15 of this passage it talks about who god is and what he has done god defines himself and reveals himself to his people um, verses 14 and 15 said for, excuse me 15 says it this way i am the lord your holy one Israel's creator, your king. God is reminding them who he is when he speaks. We need to be reminded of this too when we engage the Bible at any time. It's not words that are simply of human creation. Although written by flawed human beings, God is speaking in a divine way through his word. He wants us to know him. He wants us to recognize the way he acts and Even in this topic of renovation, we remember it's God's action based on God's character that gives us hope. He speaks as holy one, as creator, as king. And this should build our confidence even in our own crazy times. God's unchanging character is a basis 
for this oracle. And it talks in it about both remembering and forgetting. Verse 16 and 17, the beginning of this passage we read for today, talks about remembering what God had done in the past. And if you were to read it again, you'd see vivid descriptions and images of the most pivotal event in the history of Israel, the exodus from Egypt. What God had done in that event shaped their whole view of who they were and what they were meant to do as his people. And so those verses, you can look at, especially at verse um, 17, it talks about not only the, well, let's go back to 16. It talks about the way that's made through the sea, through the mighty waters. And then 17, it talks about what happened to the Israelites. God had delivered, excuse me, to the Egyptians. God had delivered his Israelite people by opening a path through the water. We know the story well. A dramatic picture of God's deliverance. But then there's those graphic words of what happened to the Egyptian army as well. That they were pulled together into the sea and there they lay. Never to rise again. Extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. God had dealt with Israel's enemies in a very dramatic way. And the prophet who writes this oracle wants to create again this imagination of what had happened in the past in order to inform and transform their view of what was going to happen in the present and even in the future. It says, God did this in the past. Remember this. And then we come to verse 18 and it's kind of jarring. In fact, it almost doesn't seem to fit because we just talked about remembering what God had done in the past in Exodus. But it says this, verse 18. Forget, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. What's up with that? To remember not or forget things. Because we know that in other places in the scripture, in the prophets in particular... God calls us to remember or to remember things. Recalling the past is is usually a positive thing. We look back at God's faithfulness and and it gives us confidence for what's happening in the future. In fact, even in Isaiah 46, 9, it says it very explicitly. Remember the former things, it says, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. There's great value in remembering me, in remembering what God has done. In fact, this past week, two weeks on our daily reflections, you heard stories from your brothers and sisters remembering and celebrating what God had done in their lives over the past year. It's good to recall this. It's good to speak it out and remember and and hold fast to what God's done in the past, the former things. But the reminder here in verse 18 is that looking at the past only can sometimes, in fact, often hinder the way we see God at work in the present. It says very clearly, do not dwell on the past. I think it's an admonition against nostalgia for those Israelite people who'd been shaped by this understanding of deliverance through the Red Sea, um, deliverance from Egypt, the Lord's reminding them that the future 
can't be predicted simply by what has happened in the past. God is always doing something new. And we as churches today in 2021 need to re, need this reminder as well. You know, we can we can get bogged down. We can get holding on too tightly to the ways things were done in the past or things were done before COVID hit. And perhaps like the people of Israel, we need our imaginations captured in new ways. Yes, God worked in the past in a certain way. Yes, God worked at Pine Lake Covenant in the past in a certain way. But sometimes we have a hard time envisioning the way the church might be in the future. Is there any other way to do church than the way we've done it? And even as we anticipate coming back into this building and gathering for corporate worship, there may be aspects of our past way of doing things that God is inviting us to let go of, to not dwell on. So we remember some things, but we also forget Forget, not just for the sake of not celebrating the past, but forget in order that we might be ready to ask the question, what is springing up now? That's the reason given in verse 19 for forgetting the past and not dwelling on it. It says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? God is saying, I am up to a new thing. He's saying it to those Israelites under the captivity of Babylon, and he's saying it again to us today. Take a look. See. Can you perceive it? It takes intentionality to pay attention to that. Things that are popping up around us. New things that God wants to do in his continued care for his people. I found it very interesting in reading this passage this week to note that The new things described in verses 19 and 20 are actually a reversal of the way God had worked, delivered his people in the past. Because in the past, a dry path was made through the middle of a water-filled route. The Israelites has been saved from the water. And now we get a, a poetic picture of water and streams in unexpected places. Now it's the dry land, the wastelands where wild animals roll, where God is going to provide water to bring hope, to bring deliverance for his people. In the past, rivers had turned to dry land to bring deliverance. And now dry land is going to spring forth with rivers and streams to bring a new deliverance. You know, later in this oracle, back in later in chapter 45 of Isaiah, just to give you a hint ahead, um, he's very, the prophet's very specific about the prophet, the figure that's going to bring this deliverance. It's a foreign king, Cyrus the Great of Persia, who eventually conquers the Babylonian Empire and allows the Israelites to head back to their homeland. And they do. They walk through the desert back to their home and God provides a way a new way that sprung up through a foreign leader who would pave the way for Israel's deliverance and so the prophet at that time is telling the people look up 
Look around, see and perceive with hope because I am doing a new thing. Don't just look at the way I acted or God, I worked in the past. Be ready. Be ready for new ways that God will bring life, that God will bring gospel forth. What is springing up? We've got to be looking for it. We've got to be attentive to the work of the Holy Spirit. So what does that say for us, for our church in this community in this time? You know, as we hopefully move beyond the shutdowns of pandemic and prepare in this season for a new lead pastor, some other new hires on staff, it's a time of transition. But in this time, we too can be looking for what is springing up. And there's a couple ways I'd suggest we do that. The first goes back to this passage, and that is hold the past loosely. You know, our good memories of what our church was like before, before the pandemic, before this, before that, it it's, can blind us. It can blind us for what God is doing now. You know, we're all prone as humans to see what's going on right now in the framework of what we understand from the past. And usually that's a a good thing because it helps us learn and helps us um, figure things out in the world. Yet we cannot predict the future based on what we've experienced in the past. We can't lock ourselves into an expression of church life that maybe no longer speaks clearly either to us or to the community around us. We have to hold the past loosely because God is not limited to acting in the same way to accomplish new expressions of his salvation. So we hold the past loosely, but we look. We look for the new. We look for new things that are springing up. And we've seen them already in this past year. We've adapted, we've pivoted, we've had to do those things. But the question God asked through the prophet in the past is a good one for us today too. Do you not perceive it? Do you not perceive what is going on in the world around us? Going on in our communities? What is God up to? We have to develop this Holy Spirit attentiveness to the circumstances Look for places where God's bringing in a new thing. God's helping us to pay attention to something we hadn't paid attention to in the past. We know God is not limited, nor is he surprised by all the major changes that have come this past year. So let's also, as followers of his, who the Holy Spirit dwells within, let's look for the new ways God is at work. And then thirdly, let's be prepared to adapt. We can't expect to have all the answers immediately. You know, any renovation that you've done in your home or elsewhere, it starts with a plan, but you always have to allow for adaptations, for changes, for things that you might see differently. And we as a church are going to be taking steps forward, but we need to do so with this sense of agility, a sense of innovation. Are there things, new ways where God's inviting us to retell 
even reshape the way we tell the gospel witness in this post-COVID world, even in our post-Christian environment. You know, this past year, our staff read together a really great book called The Agile Church, Spirit-Led Innovation in an Uncertain Age. It was written before COVID came and really changed everything, but the themes were so um, appropriate for where we were. We were reminded through the reading of this that the shaping of our shaping story of God's salvation, it continues to shape who we are. Some things don't change. God doesn't change. The salvation we have through him does not change. And that gives us an identity and a, a confidence in the spirit to improvise in this new time. Innovation, experimentation, being willing to fail to try new things, not just for the sake of something new, but in order that we might be in line with what God is bringing up in his world. God is doing to reach more people, to know him, to follow him, to know they're loved by him. The author of that book, Dwight, okay, how do you say this? Shiley, I think that's how you say it. Sheely, well, forgive me, Dwight, if I'm saying it incorrectly, but this is what he says. The church must trust that the Spirit of God is indeed alive and working among God's ordinary people as something new is brought in, brought forth in, through, and among them. When we identify the practices and stories that shape our identity as people of the way of Jesus, We are free to improvise upon them in new ways. We hold the past loosely. We look for the new. And then we are willing and prepared to adapt. You know, our kitchen renovation back then hit some glitches along the way as well. Renovation is usually messy and often very disruptive. But... Even in our home, we're very grateful for the fresh way that the space feels for us and makes it an opportunity for us to entertain others in a more free way. There are still things that might need to be adjusted even in our kitchen, but God is, even in that, we're seeing adaptation and renovation is an ongoing process. And as God does a work of renovation in our church, maybe in you personally, it isn't always easy. But his character never changes. His ways are new, but his person remains the same. And that gives us confidence as we go forward. It gives us hope that will never fade. God God is restoring all things for his glory. He truly makes all things new. That gives us as a church confidence for whatever is coming in the next weeks, in the next months, in the many years God has ahead of us. Let's pray together as we close. Lord, this is a powerful word from your prophet a reminder that you have worked in the past in ways that are surprising and delightful, and you will continue to that in the future, Lord. 
you remind us to not hold on to the past, to forget the former ways in order that we might pay attention to what you are doing now. Today, give us eyes to see the things that are springing up and give us courage to renovate and walk with you as you make things new again. We pray this in confidence, Lord, because you've promised your spirit to do exactly that. We pray it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.